0: You're listening to It's Complicated, doing business during coronavirus, a weekly podcast produced by Atlanta Business Chronicle. Each week, we'll bring you interviews, information, and insight to empower you during these extraordinary times. This week, we focus on the workforce. The pandemic has had some unwanted economic side effects on Georgia's labor sector.
1: You've got all these individuals like that that are on unemployment, but yet right now we have a record number of job openings right now.
0: Also, while some people look for jobs, others are creating their own. We check in with a group that is fearless when it comes to investing in an underserved group of entrepreneurs.
2: There's just so much profitable talent that resides in the city of Atlanta in the area of black and brown women.
0: But before we get to all that, here's a peek at what's coming up this week. First, Georgia will see a rollback of several coronavirus rules. Governor Brian Kemp signed three executive orders last week that, among other things, allow for large gatherings, clears the way for businesses to allow customers at, say, a restaurant or movie theater to sit near each other without social distancing. And the shelter-in-place orders we've known for the past year, they're now over. Those executive orders take effect on Thursday. Second, the Masters Tournament gets underway on Thursday at Augusta National. Tickets easily sold out this year, and organizers say the galleries will be smaller than in years past because of the pandemic. The Georgia Chamber of Commerce usually holds its red carpet tour. That's canceled this year. The economic impact amid the lingering coronavirus is uncertain, but the Masters Tournament typically generates an economic boost of $100 million. Third. The Atlanta Braves play their home opener on Friday. This is the first time the team will welcome fans back to Truist Park in more than a year. The Braves will allow about 14,000 fans. That's a third of the ballpark's capacity. The team is considering, though, bumping that up to 50% capacity later in the season. Of course, the goal is safety, but the team no doubt wants to increase those ticket sales. The Braves last year saw a nearly $300 million loss in revenue. Of course, you can stay up to date with all your local business news. Log on to our website, (music) atlantabusinesschronicle.com. Georgia's unemployment rate peaked at 12.5% last April. It's been on a steady decline to the current 4.8%. The numbers only show part of the pandemic's impact on the state's labor market, Delayed unemployment payments, lawsuits filed against the Labor Department, there were even calls for a change in leadership. I spoke with Georgia's Labor Commissioner, Mark Butler, to get his take on COVID's impact.
1: During this last year, uh, we were asked to do a lot more than what we normally would be doing. And I'm not talking about the difference in the workload. You know, every time you hear about Congress doing something with unemployment, typically what happens is they've made, in some cases you know, sweeping changes, some case little changes, and every time they do that, you know, there's no thought or it hasn't been, you know, very little thought about how the states are gonna be able to handle it. And so, you know, we struggle to do the stuff that they dream up and when they start getting phone calls about people being confused, they blame us. Um and so, you know, getting a lot of criticism from people that have caused the confusion, um has been very frustrating for our folks here um have you reached out to oh yeah and we've asked them yeah back in june we after we got a letter you know them saying you know what are all you know why are you guys having so many problems and all this kind of stuff and, and you know and we wrote back and explained to him and said you know please in the future before you guys pass anything you know please reach out to us we would like to have some input and kind of tell you you know what the cause and effect is going to be uh, of this stuff and it it's never happened
3: Economists are projecting, you know, what they're calling a K shaped recovery to the labor market nationwide, with those higher paying jobs, the ones that can be done from home growing pretty sharply and representing that upper part of the K, while, you know, service sector jobs, which can't generally be done remotely, you have to be in person, that those might be sort of lagging, making up that lower part of the K. And I'm wondering, is that what we're seeing here in Georgia?
1: We didn't see the upper end jobs uh, you know affected as much. Um, And I can tell you this much: basically, ninety percent of the people who are currently receiving unemployment right now, uh, and that's a pool of give or take, you know, let's say about four hundred fifty thousand people. And I mean, obviously, that can change from week to week. But um, you know, ninety percent of those individuals reported an income of less than thirty thousand dollars a year. So this is
3: hitting the lower. Part of the economic scale,
1: well, but you also can't look at it just from the point of who's collecting unemployment either, uh, because you've got all these individuals like that that are on unemployment, but yet right now we have a record number of job openings right now, um, and so it's not because there's a lack of jobs. there are plenty of jobs. The problem is the jobs are having to compete with you know anywhere from you know fourteen to sixteen dollars an hour of unemployment.
3: So how do we connect the folks who are looking for jobs with some of these positions?
1: I think it's more complicated than that. Uh, you know, my message would be if, if you're somebody who's currently working and you're in a lower paid job, like if you're under $10 an hour right now working, um, you, there's some opportunities for you right now. And you might want to look around right now while there's all these job openings and, and some folks are staying on the sidelines until the unemployment runs out. This could be your chance to to make a significant leap.
3: What do you tell companies in this environment? How do they get past where we are? How do they get past
1: the pandemic and
3: move forward?
1: Well, I tell them I have the same worries they do because we've been hiring during the pandemic, and it's been very difficult for us because we run up against the same issues. Um, I'd say, you know, let your opinions be known to your folks in Washington. I mean, um, some there's a disconnect somewhere between some of the policymakers and what's actually going on on the ground.
0: There's plenty going on on the ground. During the last full week of March, the State Labor Department reported a milestone. It paid out more in unemployment benefits during the past 12 months than it had in the department's 82-year history, a total of $20.2 billion. That includes regular unemployment insurance claims and those tied to the pandemic. COVID-19 claimed hundreds of businesses, but the pandemic also pushed entrepreneurs to create new companies. Of course, startups need money. And that's where a new venture fund comes in. The Fearless Fund targets early stage companies started by women of color. I spoke with Arian Simone, a co-founder of the Fearless Fund. I asked her to take me through what life's been like during the pandemic.
2: Our portfolio companies, they were not just surviving, they were thriving. I'm talking about exponential growth. I said, you know what, this is a true case study that shows you that when people have access to capital, that their outcomes could be exactly opposite. The dichotomy of this just blew us away. In addition to that, our fundraising efforts have been very attractive because while COVID-19 has gone on, the highlight and spotlight on social injustice and civil unrest has been magnified and a lot of corporations then made announcements around black equity and with that being said we've been direct beneficiaries of some of the corporate announcements that have been made
3: how many companies are in the portfolio at this point
2: we are currently operating for fund one off of a 25 million dollar fund size so we plan on $25 million to deploy to around 30 to 35 companies. We deploy capital to seven thus far. We invest in CPG, food and beverage, beauty, and tech.
3: Tell me about that distinction of being a fund that was built by women of color for women of color. What value does that bring to the table?
2: We did not know we were going to be the first until we got in the space, and people let us know that we were the first. Um, but in the words of our Madam Vice President Kamala Harris, we are going to say we are we may be the first, but we shall not be the last, because we're going to need multiple, multiple fearless funds in order to move the needle on the fact that Black women receive 0.0006% of venture funds. So we are aware that what we are building and what we have built thus far is historical. Um, we do see the value in that. We understand that if it was that easy, it would have been done prior to us.
3: You know, we've heard for years that if you're a startup in Atlanta, oftentimes you have to raise capital from outside Georgia. Um, Does the Fearless Fund help fill that void?
2: Yes, I will say this. We are not geographic specific. But what I can say is out of the seven, five of them have been Atlanta-based. And it's not because um, we were targeting Atlanta. It's because there's just so much profitable talent that resides in the city of Atlanta, in the area of Black and Brown women.
3: What stands out? Can you um, give me a sense of maybe a company or an entrepreneur that that really stands out when you think about um, innovators?
2: There are so many innovators. I do love Pinky Cole, which I'm. If you're in Atlanta, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with Buddy mm-hmm. Vegan. Mm-hmm. That's an innovator. Um, that's a whole cultural revolution that she has started. She's democratized how people receive vegan food. There is something so electric about what she is doing in her space. And when we're talking about innovation, I'm moving on to Tracy Pickett with Hairbrella. She's an attorney mm-hmm. and she has basically reinvented the rain hat. And this is not your grandmother's rain hat with the plastic around the head. <laughs> and she showed the world her ability to just pivot and be agile when COVID-19 hit. And she actually added a face shield to the product. So for the restaurant industry and the health industry and people who needed their hair covered, but yet the face shield on, she monopolized that.
3: The next year, the next five years, what does that look like for you all?
2: We looked at plenty of acquisitions. We looked at plenty of companies having IPOs. We looked to being a leader in the space of funding women of color entrepreneurs that have very large valuations.
0: Ariane isn't just keeping her eye out for large valuations, but large investments too. Once the Fearless Fund deploys the first pool of money, she says they'll build a second and a third fund, each expected to be in the nine-figure range. Before we go, mark your calendar for our next virtual event, the Chronicle's Best in Atlanta Real Estate Awards. That's Thursday, April 15th. You can register and find out more information on our website, atlantabusinesschronicle.com. Just click on the Events tab. That's going to do it for this edition of Atlanta Business Chronicle's podcast. It's complicated, doing business during coronavirus. Thanks for listening. I'm Crystal Edmondson. Stay safe, everybody.